Today we're going to be in Psalm 22, verses 1 to 10. Psalm 22, 1 to 10. So today we finish our series in Summer in the Psalms. This is our last, our last day of that series. One of the things that I, I love so much about the Psalms is the emotion that they show. Our God is a, is a God of emotion. He created us with the ability to feel joy and happiness, but also sorrow and pain. We've spent most of this series looking at passages that outline the joy and the happiness, and today we take a look at a passage in which we see sorrow. Today we see some pain. We see some anger. Today we read about David calling out to God in his sorrow, in his loneliness, his feelings of despair. What, what happens when the pain of suffering turns to anger? How does God respond? How does, how does God respond to us when we call out in pain, when we call out in anger? Today we look at Psalm 22 and see what answers God provides in his word. Psalm 22, verses 1 to 10. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They entrusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Thus ends the reading this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Praise in your name. Amen. A big game hunter went on safari with his wife and mother-in-law. And one evening, while still deep in the jungle, the wife awoke to find her mother gone. Waking her husband, she insisted on both of them trying to find her mother the hunter, you know, he picks up his rifle and he starts to look for her. You know, they go out. They go out into the bush and they're, they're looking for his mother-in-law, her mother. And they come upon a chilling sight. The mother-in-law is backed up against a big brush, an impenetrable brush. She can't, she can't back up any farther. She's, this is where she's going to be. And she's face to face with a male lion. He's standing there just looking at her. The wife turns to her husband and asks, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Nothing, said the husband. The lion, the lion got himself into this mess. Let him get himself out of it. He got himself into this mess. 
let him get himself out of it. Ever, ever thought that about somebody else? He dug himself that hole, now let's see if he can get himself out. I know I've thought that plenty of times. Plenty enough. You know, I hear of, particularly when I hear of like politicians being caught in, in some particular scandal or the moral failings of an individual, you know, and they, they should have known better or, or when someone doesn't make very smart choices, yeah, I definitely end up going down that, that path. He got himself into this. Let's see if he can get himself out. Has that train of thought ever been turned on you? Has someone ever looked at you and said, yeah, you know, you got yourself into that mess. Now you can get yourself out. Sometimes we have gotten ourselves into a situation and and sometimes the situation has just been kind of thrust upon us. And there's shame and and a mockingness when, when our weakness is exposed. President Roosevelt had his, or he hid his polio because he knew people would equate paralysis with weakness. AIDS patients suffer from terrible shame as they must face not only their disease, but the questions of how they got it. Many suffer the depression and hurt that comes from not being normal in a culture where health and vitality are prized. The problem, of course, does not have to be sickness. Those those who have been imprisoned or suffer from addictions or mental illness find the doors closed to full participation in society. Indeed, even the loss of a marriage or relationship leaves one feeling as if he or she has failed and is looked down on by the world. And this isn't just present in the world around us, for we see it in the Bible as well. You know, I mean, Job's friends were determined to equate his suffering to say that, that his suffering was because, and it was because of his sin in a failed attempt to prove that good people thrive and bad people suffer. Lepers were sent away instead of being offered human comfort. David's word in our psalm this morning reflect all the times sufferers have been told or looked at in a way that implies that they are responsible for their current condition and so no help will be given. You need to deal with it yourself. And when we are refused help, whether it is for legitimate reasons or judgmental reasons or reasons of ignorance or guilt by association or just whatever, when when we are refused help, when we are left alone to deal with our situation, to handle the consequences, it leads to feelings of incredible rejection, pain, and sorrow. Can you relate with David in our psalm this morning? Can you relate to his feelings of rejection, his feelings of sorrow? What do people do when they feel this type of pain? How do we respond to these emotions? We cry for help. We cry for help. And a cry for help can take many forms. Sometimes sometimes it's an attempt on our life. Sometimes it's lashing out and hurting those around us. It can, be, it can be many, many different things. Cry for helps manifest themselves in many different ways. 
And often for many of us, whether we believe in God or not, when we are hurt, we cry out to God. Now, while the lost will call out in a mocking manner that that their misfortune is proof that God doesn't exist or at least certainly doesn't love them, the Christian calls out in faith for help, for assurance, for love. Sometimes the hurt is really intense and our crying out to God, our lament turns to complaint. God, why is this happening to me? How could you let this happen to me? Don't you love me? Like, isn't that something that you do? How could you let this happen? How could you have let me do this? Or why did I get this disease? Why did my company need to lay me off? Why does my child struggle with addiction? How could you have taken my father from me? And the list goes on. Our life situations, our pain, suffering, and loneliness turn to anger at God. Is that okay? Are we allowed to voice anger and frustration at God? Is that okay? Well, we see it in quite a few psalms. This isn't the only one. There are many songs of lament in this book. We see another in Psalm 142 where we read, as, as Adriana read this morning, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. Since God put these expressions in his holy word, since he included them in the book of Psalms, the book that is a prayer book to God. He is encouraging us to pray them when we find ourselves in these situations. God wants us to be honest with him in prayer. If that means we are sad, tell him. If that means we are feeling pain, tell him. If that means we are lonely, tell him. If that means we are angry with him and feeling hurt by him, tell him. It is important to remember our place. We should be praying with respect and and reverence, but that doesn't mean that we can't be honest. Lord, you have deeply wounded me. I am upset with you. Why won't you help me? There is more truth and relational trust in that prayer than in many prayers that ask God to bless us or give me this or that. More relational trust. Relational trust. What what does that mean? We confess our anger, our frustration, our suffering to those that we trust. And that confession can can take many forms. You know, sometimes... In fact, for me, it's, it's rather embarrassing that it, it seems that most of the time, actually, I end up taking out my frustration on those that I love. I get mad about something else in life. Something gets on my nerves, a comment or a, a post that I read or, or something. I, I tend to find that maybe I'm a little more irritable than I like to think that I am. But 
Things get under my skin. And, and I don't take it out on the thing that caused me. Instead, I go home when I'm, when I'm done work or when I'm, you know, I get back from a game or whatever. You know, I come home. And, uh, and who ends up bearing the brunt of my frustration? Who do I end up confessing my anger to? It's my wife. It's my kids. People that I love dearly that I, I don't want to hurt. But that's, that ends up being in many ways how, how my frustration and my anger are, are confessed. It's to the people that I love. The people that I, that I trust that do not deserve it. Now, now, this isn't justification for abuse of any kind, right? That's not justification for verbal, emotional, or physical. There's, there's not justifying any of that. For when I confess my inner turmoil to my family in ways that are unhealthy, I then have more confessing to do. More forgiveness to ask for, to go to my five-year-old and say, I am sorry for blowing up on you in that way. That was not okay. You didn't deserve that. You didn't earn that. I am sorry. Please forgive me. It, it, It leads to more confessing when it comes out. In that manner. So I'm not justifying abuse. I'm simply pointing out that we express our anger, our frustration, and suffering to people that we love, to people we trust. Even though the expression itself may be unhealthy, even though it may hurt them, we hurt the people that we love. It shows a relational trust, a trust that springs forth from the strength of our relationship. Honest prayers to God show that we trust God, that we love Him, that He is a safe person to whom you can continually, who we continually go to, continually come. Though, like David, we feel like we have been forsaken, left alone, exiled by God, we call out to Him, Seeking our assurance of his love, seeking the foundation of our hope, calling for restoration, forgiveness, and peace. And we receive assurance, love, hope, restoration, forgiveness, and peace through the one who was forsaken. Through the one who was forsaken, our Lord Jesus As he was being crucified, hanging on the cross, bearing the sins of the whole world. We read in Matthew 27, 46, that at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes our psalm this morning. While he was taking the punishment that we deserved, my God, My God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is the forsaken one. He was forsaken by both God and humanity. He is the rejected one. Humanity issued its complaint saying, He's not our God. This isn't the God that we were promised. This isn't who we were supposed to have. And they find Him guilty and they nail Him to a cross and reject Him. And God also rejects him on the cross, pouring out judgment upon him in the form of a divine guilty verdict. The cross 
is the complaint of God against humanity, meeting the complaint of humanity against God. And there hangs Jesus, the man of sorrows, rejected by all. And that rejection is our hope. For though in and through our sin we have rejected God, in his infinite and overpowering love, he has not rejected us. He rejected Jesus instead. He rejected Jesus in our place, and so we are not forsaken. Though we may feel it at times, though we may feel, as David did, like we are a worm struggling through the muck of life, Dealing with sorrow and pain and fear and anger and guilt. We are not forsaken. You are not forsaken. God has not abandoned you. And because Jesus has taken our place, our cause, we can pray honestly to God. When you feel alone. When you feel sad, when you feel hurt, when you feel anger, know that you can bring that before God. Your friends, family, co-workers will sometimes and may often let you down, but God never will. That doesn't mean he will make everything the way that you think it should be, but it does mean that no matter the circumstance, whether you earned it or whether it was thrust upon you, he will never tell you, you got yourself into this mess. Now you can get yourself out. Bring your cares to the Lord, to the one who loves you now and will love you forever. Amen.